Well, this morning we're starting a new series. Um, it is called the Basic Series. We're just going to be talking about the basics. And it's it's not going to be going through a book of Bible. And we've talked about this. This is just a side note, but we've talked about this in the past that we do value, you know, going through every verse and going through a book just hitting topics that maybe we wouldn't normally hit if we just picked and and chose. And so after this series, Lord willing, we'll just we'll go back and do a book of the Bible. So just so you know, um, the last series, you know, on God being our Father was somewhat a mix of topical and expositional. We went through John, just all the passages. But if we'd gone through verse by verse, it would have taken like probably like five years, so it was probably good just to pick one thing um, on a bigger book like that. So that's just kind of review, but so this, what we're going to talk about this week is basically just an introduction. Why do a series just on the basics, and and what is that going to look like? Um, and so just kind of introducing it. Well, first, the first reason is just there's new faces here. Um, people have asked, you know, what do you believe? What, you know, where are you, where do you stand theologically and things like that? So this will be good for them. On the other hand, we all could use um, seeing the, hearing the basics again. And so adults, kids, and so I think it's helpful for everyone. So let's start. It's going to be jumping around verses before we kind of get going, but Let's start and ask ourselves a few things. Why is it important to go over the basics? And let's start in Matthew 23 here. We're going to read a couple verses and then... Matthew 23. going to read verses 23 and 24. Matthew twenty three twenty three, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So here's here's one reason it's important to go over the basics. You could call them the foundations, um, if you wanted to use that kind of language. But the reason is, if you have the secondary things and you don't have the primary things, you don't have anything, right? If you are worried about the metaphor Jesus uses here is, you've got something you're going to eat, and you're like, oh, I don't want it. I don't want there to be something in this that's not supposed to be in there, and you see in that, and you're like, oh, I better get that out, and then there's a camel in there. And you don't get that out. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and that's the same, we can do that with the Bible. Um, and that's what they did here, the scribes and the Pharisees. They were really focused on the things that weren't the main things, and they did them really well. And then they didn't, they didn't even know Jesus, and they rejected him. And they had nothing. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to, another way you could describe it is, 
You build a house. What's the most important piece of a house? Well, the foundation. Because you could have the nicest house in the world, and if your foundation is bad, it's all the walls are going to crack. All the windows are, are going to not open right. All the doors are going to get jammed. Uh, it, at worst, it'll all fall down. And that's the same with our faith. That we could, as a church, have great eschatology, but if we lose the gospel, we don't have anything. Or maybe we have, uh, it might be something else. It might be that we have really great systematic theology knowledge and we can answer all the questions, how the, all the verses fit together, and then we don't love people. It doesn't matter. It's, we've got to have the foundations right um, before we move on. And it's worth circling back and going over again and again. The other thing I might ask and you to think about is some of the th- ask hmm, ask yourself this question: What are some of the things in my life, some of the struggles in my life right now spiritually? Just maybe think what that might be, whether it's sin or just practically things going on. Many many problems, not all. But many problems that seem difficult are actually forgetting the basics. You know, to use a football analogy, two, I think it was two years ago, the Chiefs could have been in the Super Bowl, but one of the guys lined up offsides. It's like the first thing that they teach kids in sports. Like, okay, when you line up, just look down at your feet. And we can do that um, spiritually. Just the basic things that you learned when you were a kid or when you first became a Christian, you stop, you stop doing, you stop reading the Bible, you stop praying. The basics are really important for our daily life. They're really important to get right before we move on to other more complicated second, secondary things. So that's the first reason that's important to go over the basics. Now, the second reason, uh, I'm going to do the second and the third reasons together. And that is that the goal of this basic series is not just to lay a foundation, although it is to do that. It's also supposed to be practical, do it in a way that's practical and portable. Practical and portable. So, I'll give you this as kind of an illustration to kind of... um, Uh, this is a first aid kit. I went um, camping with some of my friends from college who came into town this week. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun and good to get together with them. And uh, took a first aid kit camping. And the basic series is supposed to be like a good first aid kit. If you had a first aid kit that was the size of a backpack, which I think they do have those like for nurses and things, you wouldn't take it anywhere. You wouldn't use it because it's too cumbersome. Um, and even if I, if I had it, I wouldn't even know what to do with like those weird scissors, you know, like medical scissors. Like, I don't know what these are for, you know. It's like this is going to be better for me than that anyways. And so it, it's practical and portable. You could have something more exhaustive. You could have an ambulance, right? But you can't carry an ambulance around with you all the time. 
And so for a first aid kit to be useful, it has to have has to be both practical and portable. Um, and there's a trade-off there. There's not everything I need in the world in this, but probably 99% of my medical needs I can cover with this in my life. Very few times do I have to go to the hospital and get stitches, but that does happen. And that's what the basic series is, is really supposed to be like, is the goal for this particular series is to make it practical and portable. It's not going to be exhaustive. You know, I'll give you an, uh, an example. Here's, here's Grudem's Systematic Theology. We could go through this and say, this is the basic series. For the next four years, we're going to go ahead and go through this, and we're going to see how much you can remember at the end. I would guess, and my guess is, this is, not, this is a good book, but it's not very portable. I can't hold all this in my mind each day. Um, and if I can't hold it in my mind, I can't apply it. It would be like the backpack or the ambulance that I never take because it's just too cumbersome. It's too, there's too much. Um, and so that's the goal here of this is to make the series practical and portable. We want to apply the Bible to our life. And we don't want to just know it. We want to apply it. And we want to be able to remember it. If it's too complicated, we won't be able to take it with us. And so another way to say this is simple. I'm trying to keep it simple. And that ties into the fourth. So the we want a foundation. We want it to be practical. We want it to be portable. And we want it to be repeatable. Repeatable or teachable is another way to say it. And for this, let's look at this couple of verses here from the pastoral epistles. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Let's look at this. Second Timothy two two says, "What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Who will be able to teach others also." Saying what the goal of our teaching is not just to teach it, and while well, we did a good job teaching it, but it's to be received, digested, and then that person be able to teach someone else. And so it kind of comes back to the first aid kit. You know, I could, um, I think I could explain what's in a first aid kit to everyone here, and you guys could all could use it. But if we had a nurse come up here and explain all the stuff in the ambulance, I couldn't, I probably couldn't use it. Probably just, I mean, for me personally, um, kind of queasy at the side of blood and stuff like that. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to apply this. I'm not going to be able to use it. So it has to be simple enough that not only do you hear it and understand it, but that you could, well, you could teach it to your kids or you could teach it to someone. What if, what if there's someone in, at your work who you are sharing? Maybe they become a Christian and they say, now what do I do? I'm a, I, I believe the gospel. What would you tell them? Would there be something that you could tell them? Um, let's look at another verse here, S similar idea. Ephesians 4. Let's 
Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. It's talking about Christ here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So what's the role of the teaching that we're doing here as you know, we're reading the Bible and, and explaining it? It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's to, it's to equip you to go out and apply God's word to your life, to go out and teach it to others to go out and disciple your kids, right? We could, we could look at some of those verses, um, if we had time, about as you're going, teach your kids um, from, from Deuteronomy 6. As parents, we have the responsibility to do this. That's one of the things, if you're a parent here, you have a responsibility to teach your kids to what you've learned to teach others. That's one of the ways that we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And so all that is kind of an introduction or um, background on the way that I, I'm planning to do this series is, is like a question and answer method, like a catechism. So some of you are probably familiar with you know, Westminster What's the chief end of man to glorify God by enjoying him forever? Um, or glorify God and enjoy him forever? That, those kind of question and answer method that they've used in the past to teach kids, but also just to teach new believers. That's the, that's the way I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to use the Westminster Shorter. But the reason I want to do it is because I feel like it hits all these areas that, I'm, that are my goals. So I think it goes over the basics. I think it's simple enough that if you can remember it, then you can apply it, um, that you can literally carry it with you. Uh, if I did a series, like I said, on the systematic theology, you couldn't remember all my points um, at the end, I don't think. Most people, I couldn't, um, just listening to it. But a catechism style where it's a question and answer, if it's memorable, the idea is that everybody could remember it. Um, I've been preparing it obviously before this and working with joy and and like okay well can she remember it you know she's three and if she can remember it i think you guys can remember it and so that's kind of my goal it's like well it has to be true obviously it has to be um memorable enough for you to carry it with you and then if you can remember it then i believe you'll be able to apply it to your life this is a big deal in terms of church history you know this way of teaching the basics is uh, goes back a long ways. Not not many of us do it today, um, but it it really was common. For example, Luther said this. Uh, Martin Luther said this at the end of his life. Pretty extraordinary statement. He said, "You can burn all my books that I wrote, except for two: the bondage of the will and my children's catechism." So he said, "Of all the things I wrote, which he wrote a lot, I don't think it's all even been translated into English yet." which is pretty crazy. There's so much that he wrote in German. Um, 
which is wild. So he wrote a ton of stuff, and he's saying, of all the things, there's two that are most important, and one of the things he put in there was the kids' catechism that he wrote. This is so important. These are foundational. And this is kind of gives you another idea of, this is also from Luther, why he would say that. He says this, Though I, though I am a profound doctor and advanced in my study, I have not yet advanced beyond the catechism, beyond the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, and the Ten Commandments. I say them every day with my Hans and Magdalena, which was his daughter and son. And his daughter was two, and his son was five at the time that he said that in 1531. So he's saying this. I wrote all these books. Many, 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 many books. I wrote a ton of them. But the most important is the basics. Well, there's two, he said. The bondage of the will and then the children's catechism. He wanted the basics. He felt like it was helpful. He felt like it was important. And he lived it out practically. He said with his kids, you know, these catechisms each day. And he said, it's not just for them, it's for me. And I'm not beyond it yet. And that's how I feel too, is that we can all use the basics. As we, it's almost like as God made us, if you're a parent, or maybe he's put someone in your life that you're not a parent, but you are um, teaching them. Maybe a new Christian who's looking up to you for guidance. That God has given those things to remind us of the basics so we can grow. And as we, as we teach and learn, relearn the basics, it affects our life more and more. Really, the final thing, um, final goal really, I already mentioned, but is to be biblical. It's to be that these question and answers would be based on the Bible and be very, very close to the Bible because the reality is the Scripture is the Word of God. And the closer that we stick to the Bible in terms of the, this basic series, uh, the more helpful, uh, deep, and life-giving I think it will be and safe. Um, so each of the answers is going to be either a paraphrase of a verse or a combination of verses. So um, it's not going to be it's not going to be my thoughts or even Westminster shorter different people's thoughts. It's just going to be verses from the Bible or paraphrases of verses. And so that's all background. That's kind of I wanted to give you a kind of background of why do it this way. It's a little bit different. Uh, totally different as far as I know than any series we've done here that I know of. Um, and so I just wanted to give background why I do it this way. If you don't like this idea, then you can just think of the question and answer as my points. And you don't have to think of it as a catechism. Okay? Um, so, last thing I'm going to say, all, all that before we get into the first question and answer is, you know, so basically I'm giving you, I'm trying to give you a, a first aid kit of spiritual truth. It's not going to cover everything, but I hope that it will cover 90 to 95% of all the things you encounter in a day. And that then those other things that, that don't fit in, you can go and apply and, um, and research and ask somebody else. I, ca I came across this strange situation. I didn't know what to do. Um, but I would say this, having something's better than nothing, right? And I'm not saying that what I'm going to give you is the best spiritual first aid kit that exists, but it's better than nothing. And so if you want to add something, you want to take something out, you want to change how I say it, 
you don't even have to use it with your kids if you're already doing something else. That, but I want to give you something so that you have it. And like I said, I think something's better than nothing. Uh, and I'm not claiming that this is going to be the perfect um, catechism or the, the, the perfect basic series, but I do believe it will be helpful. So let's start with the first, uh, first question today. I'm not going to go over exhaustively because we're going to go through it next week because of the kind of long introduction. But let's turn to Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to go over what is the first question. This, this question and answer is, like I said, a paraphrase of, the, of these verses here. So we're going to read Luke 1, 73-75. Long chapter here. So this is, just to give a little background, this is Zechariah after he was struck um, mute because he didn't believe then John's born um, when he saw the angel in the temple he didn't believe that they were really going to have a child so he was struck mute until the baby was born and then when he was born he tells them that the name's going to be John because that's what the angel said and then this is his prophecy after his um, mouth was opened and he's really talking about kind of it's kind of about the whole New Testament really why did Jesus come? Why, is, why did John come? Um, how is this going to fulfill the Old Testament? How does it connect the New Testament and the Old Testament? So it's a pretty um, dense and meaty section, but that's the background. So this is what he says, verse 73. The oath that he, God, swore to our father Abraham to grant us. So he's saying, he's saying this is why Jesus is coming. This is why John is preparing the way for Jesus, because he's going to fulfill these promises. And what are they? To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So he's saying that Jesus came to fulfill the promise to Abraham, and he gives the summary of that, and it's this, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And so this is the first question. I'm going to tell you the question. I'm going to say it a couple times so you can kind of remember it. And you'll, I hope, um, again, if we do it next week, that you'll be able to remember it. So here's the first question. Why did God make me? Why did God make me? God made me to serve him, be like him, and be with him all my days. Why did God make me? God made me to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all my days. Now I want you to see where I got that from this text. It's just a paraphrase of these verses here. So look, look with me in verse 74. Um, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him. So that's the first part. Why did God make me? God made me to serve him. That's right there in the text, word for word. Without fear, 
in holiness and righteousness and be like him? Holy and righteous. Deuteronomy, be holy as I am holy. Um, there's a lot of verses about imitating Jesus. So we're, God made me to serve him, to be like him. I'm getting that from holy, holiness and righteousness. Before him, uh, the, God made me to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all my days, all our days. And so that's, that's where this answer is coming from. It's just from the text. It's a paraphrase, a short, shortened version. God made me to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all my days. And the reason that I chose this particular thing is because it's, well, it's helpful to me. It's biblical. But it also zooms out very well. Okay, so this particular passage seems like, well, why? Luke 1, 73 through 75, that's your, <laughs> that's your answer on why did God make me? Well, the reason I chose this is it gets all those points in one verse, but it zooms in and it zooms out very well. So what I mean by that? Well, if you look at the whole Bible, okay? If we think about this in terms of the whole Bible, does this answer um, mesh not just with Luke 1, 73 through 75, but does it, does it explain the entire Bible? Can I open up to Genesis chapter 1 and can I go to Revelation chapter 2 and everywhere in between and this makes sense and it helps me to understand God's plan and purpose. And I would say, yes, it does. And so that's the, I want to just briefly take a 25,000 foot view of this. Okay, so think with me about Genesis 1 through 3. What did God make man for? He put man, and what did he say to him? He said, cultivate the garden, right? God made me to serve him. Okay? And then, how did God make man? He made man different than every other creature. He made him in his image, man and woman. God made me to be like him. God made me to serve him, to be like him. And then what were they doing in the garden? They were walking with God. Remember when it says, a certain time of the day, God comes in the cool of the day, and they're hiding in the trees, you know. Um, They weren't with God, but they were all the days before that. It was very clear that God was with them. Um, They were there to be with God. So you see it in the beginning, You see it, that's how God made man. You see it restored at the end in Revelation 22. Um, Let's actually just turn to that one uh, because that one is a bit more concise all all together there. And just as you're turning there, I'll just say as an aside, you know, we we could say that we don't know this about any other creature that God made. You might think about the angels circling, you know, circling the uh, throne saying, holy, holy, holy. They were made to serve God and to be with God, but we don't know that they're made in the image of God. We, we aren't told that. And so this is for man, right, in a special way that it isn't for any other creatures. Serve God, be like God, and be with God uh, all our days. And so it's a... It's an honor, and it's a blessing, and it's unique. So we want to do what God has asked us to do. We want to do it well. Okay, so Revelation 22, 3 through 5. Revelation 22, 3 through 5. And I want you to see if you can see all these elements. I'll say it one more time here before we read it. God made me to serve him, be like him, and be with him all my days. Now I want, before we read it, I want to tell you one thing. <clears throat> 
It's a little complicated, but the word serve is also the word for worship. And actually, you're going to see the word worship in this this passage. It's actually literally the exact same word. Everything's the same about it as um, Luke, the one we saw in Luke. One place they translated serve, one place they translated worship. So you just, when you hear the word serve, you just need to think service includes worship. Part of my service to God is worship. So that's, that's a little caveat. Revelation 22, 3 through 5. This is the re- restoring of all things. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. Okay, actually, you know, let's just do it like this. Which part of that do, um, does that fulfill? But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. Serve God, be like God, be with God all our days. Which, which part does that first, first one? The throne of God and the Lamb will be in, in the city. With him. Okay, there's with him. And his servants will worship him. Which part is that? Serve him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Now that's a little complicated. Um, that is actually uh, be like him. So let's read the last verse there. And night will be no more, and they will need no light or lamp of lamp or, or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So that's all my days. Okay, so I want to I take a moment and explain um, be like God here, because it says it in kind of a figurative way. And the way it says it is, we will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. What it's really saying there is we're going to be like God. We're going to see God and when we see him, we'll be like him. And I'll just read you a quote from um, Alexander McLaren. He says it better than I could. So, The name, written on the forehead, is the manifested personality, the, re- the revealed God, or as we say in an abstract way, the character of God. So, God's name is who he is. That name is to be on the foreheads of his perfected people. How does it come to be there? Read also the clause before the text. His servants shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. That is to say, the perfected condition is not reached by surrender only, but by assimilation. And that assimilation comes by contemplation. My last text is a picturesque way of saying what the writer says in plain words when he declares, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The name is to be found on their foreheads where every eye can see it. So Alexander McLaren says, this is just a picturesque way of saying that when we see Christ, we will be like him. Um, that the name of God is the character of God. It's a summing up of all that who he is, and that's going to be on our foreheads, that we will be like God uh, in our character and it's going to come from being, from seeing him, from being with him, from his death, his blood, uh, washing away our sins, his spirit indwelling us, and making us new. And so this is just a summary of, of really this first point. Um, now, we're going to go more detail about it tomorrow, but I hope you can see from like a 20,000 foot view that this this is biblical. Um, now let's, before we go, talk about how it can be practical, right? This is true. Uh, how does it apply to your life? And so that's the other goal, you know, not just simple, 
because you could say it and not know how to apply it. And so I'll give you a couple examples here. First, when you are standing in line at Walmart, okay, this, this, this happened to me, and there's nobody around. You push a little button, you know, and nobody comes um, to help, and you're just standing there for a long time, like way longer than normal. I was thinking, like, what's God's purpose in this? You know, it's like I'm literally just wasting my time, it feels like. And I thought, well, God made me to serve him, to be like him, and be with him all my days. Well, I can't do anything. right. I can't serve God right now. I just have to stand here and wait. So I'm not sure. I could worship, which is part of service. Um, but I didn't particularly feel like worshiping at that moment. So be like God. Well, I could be patient. When they come, I can be kind and patient. That's the way God would be. Um, God wouldn't be... God is not quick to anger. He's slow to anger. God is cares for people. He doesn't view people as means to an end. He actually views them as a person who's valuable. And so I could be like God by when I get up to the register after they come and it's I've been waiting, I can be kind and patient and be with God. And until then, I can, just, I can pray and say, God, thank you um, for this day. Thank you that you have a plan. Thank you you have a purpose. And um, would you just be with me as I stand here? And so that kind of gives you um, one example of how it, it might apply. Uh, how you could use it in your day. And another example um, might be, I actually asked people, uh, we did kind of the college Bible study, we talked about this, and asked, hey, can you give me some examples? Because I, um, help me think through this. Because you might think of something that I don't think of. And one of the college students gave the example of um, when they go to their concert or whatever, they may feel, they might feel, man, I hope I do a really good job. I hope I don't make, mess up and make any mistakes on the notes and start to feel maybe down, maybe if they don't do well or think they might not do well. Well, they said, but then they thought of this. My purpose is to serve God, to be like God, and to be with God all my days. I can serve God even if I mess up. I can fulfill the purpose he has for me even if I don't play all the right notes. Um, I can be with God, um, regardless. I can be like God all my days. And I I hope it's practical to you. I hope you think about it this week. Talk about it with your kids. You know, you might even just, as you're reading through the Bible, as we, as we read through the Bible, I ask joy questions. Well, did, did anyone serve God? Was anyone like God? Was anyone with God in this? And there's either yes or no, and either way we have something to talk about. You know, Jacob, no, he was not like God. He was lying to his to his dad and stealing from his brother. That's not being like God. And over and over, you know, we ask a lot of these questions. And it's helpful. Barna did a did a study on asking parents of of thirteen kids that are thirteen and younger, they asked them, Do you believe that you're you, as a parent, have primary responsibility for teaching your kids about faith. And 85% said yes, they did. They believed that. So 15% said no, they didn't believe that. And then of those 85%, less than half talked to their kids each week about spiritual things and or read with them uh, spiritual material. And so 
that's scary in a way, you know? And it's something that I hope we, as parents, we can think about that. You know, is there, is there times in the week where I'm pouring into my kids? And how could we do that? Well, this is a tool that you could use, or you could find another tool. You know, it doesn't have to be this. But it's something that we should be doing as parents. And it's something we want to be applying in our own lives. And that's when it's really going to be real, is if we're living it out, and we can tell our kids as we go, as well as intentionally um, pouring into them. Um, so I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that this is a, will be a tool to help you. And we'll go over this first question more in depth again next week. So let's pray together. Father, we just look to you and we ask for your help. This week, we want to serve you and we want to be like you and be with you. We need help in it. I pray you'd bring spiritual truth to our mind throughout the day um, when difficult things happen, when um, emotionally difficult things happen at our jobs, when we're around other people, when we're at home with our families. We pray that you just bring things to our mind and that you'd help us. We do thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for sending your Son, and Jesus, we thank you that you made this possible by your blood for us to be like you and be with you. We're very thankful for what you did for us. Thank you for not leaving us to ourselves. We can we commit this week to you, God. You know what's going to happen uh, in all our lives, and we don't, but we trust you. We ask for your help, whatever it is. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.